0: Thank you for listening to TMA's Practice Well podcast. TMA, helping you improve the health of all Texans.
1: Did you know that you can claim CME credit for many of the TMA Practice Well podcasts? Just go to www.texmed.org forward slash CME to go. That's www.texmed.org forward slash C-M-E-T-O-G-O to register for your podcast and follow the instructions to claim CME. Policies and standards of the Texas Medical Association the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education and the American Medical Association require that speakers and planners for continuing medical education activities disclose any relevant financial relationship they may have with commercial entities whose products, devices, or services may be discussed in the content of the CME activity. The planners and speakers of this program have nothing to disclose. Please be advised that the information and opinions presented as part of this podcast should not be used or referred to as a primary legal source and does not replace the advice of your healthcare attorney.
2: Welcome to Ask the Expert Series, Operational and Billing Aspects of COVID-19 Vaccinations. Um, we're happy to have you here today. I'm Yvonne Moonkun with Practice Consulting. With me today, Meredith, Vines, Cara Benson, and Julian Rivera. Um, and to kick us off, Cara Benson.
3: As Yvonne said, my name is Cara Benson. Um, I am the Manager of Practice Management and Reimbursement Services. I want to go over some basic information as well as a couple, but I'm going to start with a couple of current updates. Um, they pretty major. Um, May 12th, Pfizer approved for ages 12 and older. It was previously 16 and older. And the other big change is the CDC updated their clinical considerations and which indicates that the COVID-19 vaccine can be given along with other routine vaccinations. So you no longer have to wait 14 days. Okay. So what shots are available? So we have the Pfizer, we have Moderna, we have Janssen uh, from Johnson and Johnson and Recently, the AMA has published a new code for Novavax. Um, Please note that this is not yet approved by the FDA, but the AMA wanted to go ahead and put this out so that physicians can get ahead of it and get it in their system and be ready for when this vaccine is approved. The vaccines do's and don't. Do seek reimbursement from private health plans Medicare, Medicaid, and COVID-19 uninsured programs, which I'll go over it here in just a second. Now don't, this is huge. Don't charge patients for the vaccine or administration. Don't deny the vaccine due to patient's insurance or economic status. Charge an office visit to provide the COVID-19 vaccine or require additional medical or other services during the visit. Um, as a condition of getting the COVID vaccination. Now, as I mentioned, you can get payments from an uninsured program. It's through Health Resource and Service Administration. How it works is you have to enroll as a participant. You can check patient eligibility, submit the patient information, and claims must be submitted electronically. You will receive payment through direct deposit, and it is through Optum Pay. That is the Claims Payment Manager. When we move on to Medicare. and um, You must be a Medicare provider. Only bill the vaccine administration. Do not include the vaccine on the claim. And submit, even the Medicare Advantage claims must be submitted to Original Medicare MAC, which is Novitas Solution. The Medicare rates, national administration rates, For date of service through March 14th, it's for the first dose is 1694 and the second dose is 2839. But now dates of service on or after March 15th is $40. Now for Medicare, there is a geographical adjustment. So keep that in mind. Medicaid has sent out a notification that they will allow the Pfizer vaccine for adolescents. The rates are the same as Medicare. There is not a geographical adjustment for Medicare on dates of service after um, March 15th. But you must be enrolled as a Medicaid provider. Okay, now for commercial. We're going to start with Blue Cross Blue Shield. Their rates for in-network, the contract rates apply. So you will need to check with Blue Cross Blue Shield directly or check your contract. Out of network, it will be based on an out of network payment policy that follows Medicare rates. And you will bill the vaccine on a separate claim when it is not the primary purpose of the visit. Now, as far as coverage goes, for fully funded, covered with no cost share, when delivered by either in-network or out-of-network physicians and providers. Self-funded, now this is where it gets different. So non-grandfathered administration is covered as preventative, but grandfathered plans are not required to cover preventative services. Now, with that said, there is a new program that is covering Vaccinations for patients that are insured, but in this case, like grandfather plans are not they don't cover preventive vaccinations. So covered assistance fund. It's based off the national Medicare rate. just like the uninsured programs. Providers must enroll. It is funded through the provider relief fund program. They will accept claims with dates of service on or after December 14th of 2020. It must be submitted electronically and it is subject to fund availability. Okay, so we'll move on to Humana. Humana includes both in-network and out-of-network physicians and providers. Now the back code is not required to be on the claim. If, for some reason, your program requires the vaccine, you will report it with one cent. The rate is in-network, contract rate supply, And for out-of-network, it's based on the base maximum amount payable of an out-of-network physician or provider. Cigna includes both in-network and out-of-network physicians and providers. The vaccine product code is not required to be on the claim. And just like with Humana, if it is required, if your system for some reason does require the vaccine, once again, put, report it with one cent. Cigna will pay the administration of the COVID vaccine at the national CMS rate. Aetna includes both in network and out of network physicians and providers. Now, Aetna has not explicitly stated if the vaccine has to be on this claim. Aetna will apply rates that do not exceed the CMS rate of $40. And last but not least, um, United Healthcare includes both in-network and out-of-network physicians and providers. You will bill COVID-19 vaccine administration through their standard claims process and they're in-network contract rates apply, out-of-network based on the national CMS rates. So with that, I wanna turn it over and see if there are any questions. Um, can you repeat which plans need the product code um, at one cent? It is Cigna and Humana.
2: So, so all of that information that you just gave, do we have a? Do we have a? a, a written we report? do. Yeah, we have a web page. Ask the expert
3: web page.
2: It is www.textmed.org/slash ask the expert. Cara, what kind of calls are you, have been coming in about the different kinds of difficulties you've seen with the billing situation?
3: That's a good question. A couple issues that have come up. One, specifically with Medicare, because what happens if a physician has opted out? Are there exceptions to that rule? Because when a physician has opted out, a patient is seen as a self-pay patient. And with the COVID vaccine, you cannot bill the patient. So how does that work? Well, there I can tell you, there are no exceptions. If you do give a vaccine knowing that you are opted out, you are basically giving it for free. The other question that we have received with the age change are there new codes for pediatric patients. AMA has not posted new codes specific to adolescents at this time. It does not appear that they will and it has been said that it will be the same regimen for 12 to 15 as it is for 16 and older.
2: We had a question about employers asking physicians bring their staff to, to their office to administer the COVID-19 vaccine to their employees. And, and there's some question about payment.
0: This is Julian. I'll see if I can help as an attorney. Charge the employer. Right. Yeah. So there are, there are some OIG opinions. Um, and one in particular that speaks to this. Um, and, you know, the short answer is there's a lot of leeway. Um, the, um, the OIG is, is uh has made clear that they're going to allow for a, a lot of flexibility in in this space. The, the, there are several mm-hmm. suggestions that I would have. Though first, I would work with a with an employer mm-hmm. that the physician has a relationship with, and has a and has mm-hmm. a uh, an established business and is not a. Mm-hmm. Um, Temporary or transient kind of business, uh, like a pop-up business of some kind. Second thing is that I would have the, the physician do the business through the physician practice, so that, that that it's consistent with the with the billing requirements. And then third, and this is the more important part, um, there should be an analysis of why providing free or discounted services. Would, or or taking money for them, uh, for for providing those services, would not uh, increase referrals, uh, and not do the kinds of things that uh, Stark and, and the anti kickback statutes um, envision. So it's it's worth do having a lawyer do that analysis for a specific situation. Um, But I think that that it could be done, it would have to be done uh, really carefully and with a lot of thought um, because it would be um, an unusual thing. And and you'd have to justify how it's unusual and why it isn't the kind of thing that the Stark and any kickback rules are in place to uh, prohibit. I hope that was helpful.
2: Thanks, Jillian. That was very helpful. Go ahead, Meredith,
4: please. Oh, sorry. I was also just going to add on that note that um, the Department of State Health Services Dishes has um, said that they, if you are a group of 10 or more people, that they will facilitate um, the vaccine being brought to you to vaccinate at no cost as well. So um, the state is, is kind of providing that service to groups of, of 10 or more. It can be Texas businesses, it can be civic organizations, whatever it is, as long as it's more than about 10 people. And you can find information on that on their COVID-19 webpage.
2: We also have operational questions, some questions about some logistical information related to the COVID-19 vaccine as well.
4: On that, um, I wanted to mention that I know that there's potentially some confusion about the minimum order requirement for uh, the different types of vaccines. And so when you are placing those orders in the state's um, vaccine ordering system, VAOS, you don't have to necessarily intend to meet that minimum. If you only need, if you only can vaccinate a certain amount of people, you know, 100 people over two weeks, the state does want you to go ahead and, and put in your order for 100. They are trying to work to break up those shipments amounts to meet smaller orders, and they understand that, that that's hard. And so they, they with those, they can't promise that it'll necessarily be delivered within the same timeframe because they have to figure out a way to break up the, the larger shipment amount, but they are trying to now fulfill those orders that are below the minimum for the manufacturer's shipment. Additionally, They're switching to a system to where you're just placing in orders kind of on demand. Previously, it was a weekly system, if any of you have an experience with that. But now moving forward, um, it's just kind of as needed. So it's not fulfilling kind of each week. But you do have to make sure that you're still meeting all those reporting requirements so that you're recording kind of how many you've used, how many are, are no longer viable. So if you do order some and you can't use them within the period, that they're viable, then then you need to also make sure that you're recording that as well.
3: Thank you, Meredith. Um, I want to just briefly mention something else. There might be some confusion around vaccine counseling because typically there are specific codes that go with counseling for vaccinations. In this case, you do not use the those codes, the 9,000 codes. If you see a patient for a separate identifiable um, reason, make sure that you use the twenty-five modifier and append it to the ENM. And this is only going to apply to the health plans that have not specifically stated to separate the COVID vaccine from your visit. The ICD ten code for the COVID vaccine, the administration for it is V twenty three.
2: Cara, that sounds incredibly confusing. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> so so, so how, how, what's, what is the best way for our doctors to to get the information they need? If they're, if they're still unsure about it, what, what resources do we have for them?
3: Oh, there are so many resources out there. The AMA has a guide to every code. Um, it even includes the AstraZeneca and the new code for Novavax.
2: So I wonder if um, you've heard anything about a time coming in the future here where COVID-19 vaccination might be treated the same way the flu vaccine is treated.
4: Um. So I can't speak, you know, to how it would maybe affect the, the billing aspects on it. But I think something to keep an eye out for is um, once the vaccines receive um, full FDA approval, one of the biggest differences is then they can start marketing directly to um, the consumers. Um, So you may see, um, you know, the way the supply, I'm not sure how that'll affect the supply chain um, necessarily, but I imagine, you know, in the future, especially once we learn more about the frequency needed of the vaccine, that um, there'll be ways where this isn't, you know, solely pipelined through the government. um, because clearly that's taking up a lot of bandwidth, but that's all a little bit speculation right now. And because it's all the vaccines are still under an EUA, they're all still managed through those government pipelines. Um, and so that's that's kind of one of the biggest differences between something like the flu vaccine, which is pretty easily commercially available.
3: Thanks. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that I, every day that I look something up, there's a change. Um, So, it is ever-evolving. So, you know, that's one thing that we are monitoring. So, if there's any new information, we're certainly going to make sure that it's posted out on our website. So, I I definitely would suggest watching the website for any changes. There could very well be a change after we get off this
2: call. (laughs) (laughs) That's true enough, true enough. All right, well, um, this is probably a good time to wrap things up. Folks, if you have any questions, again, I know um, your time is precious and you may not have the uh, the bandwidth yourself to, to uh, research all those different sites and whatnot. Textmed.org is a great site for um, any of the information that um, we're, we're putting out to you about these different topics. Um, and it also has contact information for all of our folks. Um, So you can email us or call us. Um, So we we do um, ask that you reach out to us and let us us help you with what you need. Let us get your questions answered and help you out. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you.
1: To claim CME for today's program, go to www.texmed.org forward slash C-M-E-T-O-G-O. Register for your podcast and follow the instructions to claim CME.